And it's uh, nice to be back. Um, if uh, you haven't been around, neither have I. It was nice to take a, a two-week break. I'm sure you guys enjoyed it very much, uh, that I was away with my family, just in preparation for the Christmas season and uh, with Steve uh, taking his sabbatical. And just to remind you guys, he's not going to be around till January, and he's taking a break after uh, charging hard and leading Riverside uh, since it started eight years ago. And so we're so excited for him uh, to be taking uh, a break. But tonight we're going to be wrapping up our series on relationships. And uh, it's quite important for us. And just something that uh, I was just praying into uh, this evening, we're at an interesting time of the year. And uh, things are winding down. Uh, you guys are finishing end of your exams. Some of you have got your eye on uh, some holidays. You're really starting to maybe go to some year-end functions. And uh, there's a danger that can happen when, that, when we enter into that space. And that's where you kind of take the foot off the gas. Uh, when life winds down and we start thinking ahead to school holidays, start thinking uh, towards our December break, start thinking towards those kinds of things, we run the risk of also taking the foot off of our, our faith pedal. And December is known to wreck a lot of people's faiths. Because when we get stuck into all the good things that holiday has, that we kind of put the Bible on the shelf, we stop praying because we're not writing exams, we stop praying because you know, we're not worried about uh, work deadlines and, and, and the things that kind of sometimes fuel our faith. And when we find that we've got time to spare, we kind of don't know what to do with Jesus because so much of it is, is going to him for our needs, and, which is not a bad thing. But as we are kind of winding down the year, uh, maybe start to put it into your space to go, well, how can I kind of accelerate more with Jesus? And, and how can I push in and lean in more? And even though we're ending this uh, sermon series tonight, we're going to be starting something new next week and then going into a very exciting time with Christmas here at Riverside and, and huge opportunities uh, for all of you. So I really just want to encourage you to not fall into uh, any kind of trap of taking our eyes off Jesus just because things are kind of calming down and, and, and wrapping up for the year. Let me just recap. We're in a sermon series called Relation Slips. And uh, we have all been hurt. We've all been uh, on the other end where we have hurt people. And all, because we're people, we engage in relationships every single day. And when you do that, you run the risk of hurting and being hurt. And because all of us have experienced that, uh, we need to be able to uh, do relationships really well. And what we have been doing is just looking at how we can engage in uh, where we have been hurt or where we have hurt people. And as we end tonight, we're going to be looking at quite a big word, a heavy word, a word that uh, in our country is, is quite loaded and means a lot for different people, but it's the word reconciliation. Word reconciliation. And uh, if you, a good way to kind of think about the word reconciliation is repair. Uh, not the way I repair things. Um, it is uh, quite dangerous. I, I have uh, big illusions of grandeur every time I pick up a tool. Um, and I, I love to try and dabble in handyman stuff. But when I try and fix things, uh, they don't stay fixed for very long. And I'm not talking about when I fix things. But when we talk about reconciliation and repair, it's really fixed. It's better than what it was. You know, you get those guys that you can just take something that's kind of wooden and broken and you take it to a computer and they've just done a better job than what it was uh, before you even took it in. And, and there's some guys who just have this ability to fix things really well. 
When we're talking about reconciliation in relationships, we're talking about genuine repair. That they're maybe kind of not just on, on maybe part where they were before the fallout, but even better than where they were. And that's where we're going to be digging into tonight. And this is a little bit of a, a scary place for some of you because of what you have experienced in your life. And our base for this has been a very short portion of scripture in the New Testament called the Letter of Philemon. And the context is Philemon was a believer. He was very wealthy. And uh, he had a, a slave called Onesimus who uh, we're not 100% sure, but we, uh, it looks like he kind of stole some things from Philemon and ran away. In God's providence, while he was on the run, he encountered uh, the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote a significant part of the New Testament who uh, was just taking the gospel to his generation, an incredible figure in the history of our faith. And, and this runaway slave, Anismus, encountered Paul, came to faith in him, and then became this huge aid to Paul. But because of who Paul was as a believer and what's in our DNA as believers is people who have been deeply forgiven by Jesus, who have experienced being enemies of God and now being adopted as sons and daughters, who in our very DNA have this thing of reconciliation. Uh, Paul works towards reconciling Philemon and Onesimus. And that's the context for all of this. And, and this is uh, what we've been using kind of as our launch pad and so just to recap, reading from Philemon, uh, from verses 15 down to 21, perhaps the reason he was separated you, this is Paul writing to his friend Philemon, perhaps the reason he was separated from you uh, for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man, as a brother, and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may benefit from you in the Lord. Uh, refresh my heart in Christ. Confidence of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Here we see the very heart of what it looks like uh, to do godly reconciliation. Here was a man who was a slave who caused uh, an offense. Uh, there was a breakdown in relationship, but what Paul is encouraging that because of Jesus, what is possible is not just a hard conversation that was had, but that forgiveness was achieved, and more than that, that there was reconciliation. And what that looks like is that he's even more dearer to you now, no longer as a slave, but as a fellow brother in Christ, that what exists in our relationships as believers because of who Jesus Christ is, that this level of repair is possible. Maybe you've never experienced something like that. Maybe all you've experienced is just uh, the other breakdowns where there's some people who won't speak to you or there are people who you can't speak to because of the breakdown of relationship. We, we understand that. 
And we know that uh, forgiveness is easier because it just takes one person. You can forgive the person who wronged you or the other person can forgive you. But when it comes to reconciliation, both people need to be involved to work towards uh, godly reconciliation. You might have heard me share this story. It's just so powerful. A pastor friend of mine was visiting a family in the church when some armed robbers broke into the house. And for a long time, uh, they were held up in the house with these armed robbers. In fact, uh, the pastor friend of mine was even uh, stabbed in the back when uh, the intruders left. The police managed to catch all of uh, the home invaders and uh, they were all uh, convicted and all jailed for their crimes. The main perpetrator, the, the, the criminal who actually stabbed this friend of mine while in prison came to faith. And uh, he then went on to study and actually qualified in prison as a pastor. And while he was in prison, uh, because of what he had experienced in Christ, sought to make right with all of the victims of his many crimes in his life. In fact, he then reached out to this pastor friend of mine. And over the course of a few years, forgiveness was achieved. And then things went beyond forgiveness. There was actual genuine reconciliation. This criminal who is now a born-again believer and who is a pastor is out of prison. And in fact, this friend of mine and the former criminal, have a reconciliation ministry together. That they are actually partners in ministry. And uh, the work that they do is go into prisons and they help victims and criminals reconcile and, and try to bring healing in people's lives. And they are a complete testimony of what is possible when God is at work in our lives. Because we can think, how can you ever forgive someone who put a knife into your back and robbed you of all your possessions? Well, maybe, you know, mature believers can, can work towards forgiving that person, you know, and can kind of overcome those. But actually having that person back into your home as a brother of Christ and actually do ministry together is quite incredible. But this is what is happening. This is what is possible. This is what we are wanting to fight for. This is what we are striving for in each other's lives. It's so easy to burn bridges. You know, mobile games, we love them, right? You're renewing your license and you have to sit for four hours in the traffic department. Mobile games are awesome. You know, you can kind of kill time playing Candy Crush or whatever the latest, kind of like just mindless game is, but at some point you always reach a level. Uh, maybe let's uh, just, how many of you have just deleted a game and downloaded a new one because you couldn't pass a level or a stage? There are a few hands going up, a couple of nods of agreements that uh, instead of trying really hard to kind of figure out and, and crack the code, we delete the app, we delete the game, we push reset, we start again, and, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, some of these complex games, we, we just start again and we just kind of reset, create a new profile, start again. And it's, it's easier to push delete. It's easier to set fire to the bridge. And go, I don't have to spend time with you anymore. I have other friends. I can make new friends. I can avoid you 
in my life. It's easier to do that. But it's to God's glory when we go the other route and fight harder for reconciliation and to be able to have that testimony of how the Lord has restored, how the Lord has repaired, that this relationship is so much stronger. You know, and this is what we've covered. It's uh, over the last few weeks, and again, just very briefly, it's glorious to overlook an offense. You know, we, we talk about ways to win people over in conflict. We understand there's costs involved in the painful process of forgiveness. This is some of the things that we've covered, but I want you to think tonight in Philemon, the verses 20, 21, he ends this, do even more. Think about those words, do even more. Maybe you're in a conflict relationship right now. There's been breakdown. I want you to consider what it looks like for you right now to do even more. That is what scripture is calling us to. That's what scripture is, is wanting us to go the full road of reconciliation, to do even more than just forgive, to do what it takes to bring reconciliation. Because forgiveness and reconciliation is the very heart of the gospel. And we need to understand how God works in that. If you wanna flip with me to Genesis chapter three, my Bible's stuck there. I don't know if you saw me drop my whole glass of water over my Bible uh, just before I went up there, so it's all kind of stuck there. But uh, find Genesis chapter three, beginning or opening of your, your Bible. It's very interesting. This is the first case of conflict in Scripture. There is a major fallout that takes place in Genesis chapter three. And I want you to read with me from uh, verse seven. Genesis chapter three, verse seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, yes. Or the man said, sorry, the woman you put me here, or put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So here we see the first uh, major conflict to take place in Scripture. And what happens? Adam hides. He runs away. He's ashamed. He won't acknowledge. He's hiding. God comes in and God says, where are you? I'm hiding. What have you done? What does uh, the man uh, do first up and every woman uh, or wife here knows? Okay. He just, uh, Adam just blames Eve. Right? God says, what have you done? It's her fault. How many of you guys have experienced that in your relationships? God turns to Eve and Eve says, what's going on? And she points to the serpent, it was him. And here we kind of see what is kind of atypical of how we do conflict as people. Hide, blame. Run from, deny, pass the buck. 
That's how we most often deal with conflict. What does God do? God's leaning in. God's pursuing Adam. Where are you? What have you done? So many times there's opportunities and and gaps for Adam to lean in as well, to own up to what he's done, to dialogue with God around what has happened. But he's hiding and he's he's passing blame the whole time. Yet God is leaning in. Uh, God is trying to make right. And right the way through Scripture, that's the pattern that we see. We always hide from God when we mess up. We always run from our conflict. Yet God is always leaning in, always leaning in. He's always making the steps. It's always costing Him when it comes to dealing with us. And we see that ultimately in the cross where Jesus paid with His very life to reconcile us to God, to bring us back into a place where we are right standing with God as adopted sons and daughters as no longer enemies. God always leans in. Adam always runs away. And so when we're thinking about reconciliation, really right at the start, if you wanna kind of be good at reconciliation, be like God, right? He leans in, he pursues, even though it costs him, he's still fighting for. Let's kind of reverse the trend of being like Adam who's hiding and blaming, but to also lean in to conflict, to wanna do that well. It's really important because when we think about conflict and if we do this well, it really lays solid foundations for relationships to, to go to new depths and, and it's incredible that it becomes a great building block for us to do relationships well on. For the rest of this evening, I wanna take us through uh, some stuff that was, we're borrowing from a guy called Ken Dyke. He's the founder of Freedom uh, Session International and he has what he calls the ABCDEs of conflict and um, reconciliation. Uh, So for those of you who like kind of alliteration and taking notes, this is gonna be great uh, for you. And if you have a little bit of OCD, it's not gonna be so good. We're gonna go through the ABCDEs of conflict. And the first one, if you wanna do this really well, if you wanna kind of lean in and learn how to move from forgiveness to reconciliation, to handle uh, conflicts well, because Uh, this was shared last week, there's no difference between healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships when it comes to conflict. Because we people, we have conflicts. The difference is how healthy relationships deal with conflicts, how they uh, handle each other and themselves in the the process and move towards uh, resolving the conflict. And so here's number A. The A of the ABCDEs is acknowledge the conflict. Acknowledge the conflict. Adam is hiding. God calls out, where are you? He's hiding from God. Not acknowledging what he has done. Right? So many of us don't like to acknowledge the conflict that we're in. What we do instead is run and hide. What our running and hiding looks like this. We work longer hours. We maybe come up with some excuses for why we need to be in the office earlier and come home later. What we're really doing is hiding from the conflict at home. We're avoiding and hiding so we work longer. We try and maybe sleep more. Now I'm tired, I'm going to bed early and kind of avoid things. Maybe we go into some more unhealthy things like porn or TV, food, kind of fancy. Maybe, you know, it might not be work, but then you spend hours in the gym or playing sports. You just don't want to be at home or wherever your conflict is. 
You avoid it. You hide instead of acknowledging there is conflict. You're not going to do conflict well if you can't acknowledge there is something of a breakdown in our relationship. So don't hide or run or hide, but going, guys, there's something going on. We need to talk about this. I know maybe you've been involved in relationships where someone's passive-aggressive and the kind of two passive-aggressive people who just kind of walk around the house in silence, kind of avoiding each other till it kind of simmers down a bit till you kind of have to talk to each other and you kind of reach some level of operational kind of functionality as a family or in the house. You know, we hate that. We need to get to a place where we acknowledge conflict and kind of saying things like I feel like or I sense that kind of invite the other person to talk uh, in that space instead of kind of charging hard or, I love this, the, the Gottman Institute in America, uh, they did some studying and they reckon with uh, about a 96% accuracy that they can determine within the first three minutes of an argument which way it's gonna go. And that all comes down to do you come in hard into the conflict situation, or do you come in soft? Uh, think of kind of two analogies. Uh, are you coming in with a sword and a shield? And the sword is you want to kind of attack? You did this, you were wrong, you hurt me here, this is how you upset me, you, 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 and just using that sword to kind of chop, chop, chop. And the shield is because you know the person's going to kind of retaliate. So you've already kind of, I mean, how many of you, in preparation for a conflict example, kind of run the situation over your head. And it's always the worst possible way it could go, right? And you kind of really prepared for that. That had a lot of nods, right? And so we kind of come in with the sword and the shield because we know how they're gonna fire shots back at us. So we're prepared to defend it with our shield and kind of shut them down where they're gonna kind of talk back to us. So we often enter into conflict with the sword and the shield. But what these guys have worked out is that never works, you come in hard, they can know. Almost 100%, that's gonna end in, in greater escalation of the arguments. But maybe think about coming into a conflict situation with a teapot. Hey? No, you're not gonna clap them uh, with a hard object filled with boiling hot water, no. <laughs> Invite them into a relaxed, soothing conversation. If you don't like tea, uh, think cup of coffee. Coffee's not your thing, a glass of red wine. Something where you think, you know, sure, this is so much better to invite, sit down, let's, let's talk about this. Tone is everything. Uh, to be calm. You know, Inez and I, when we uh, did our pre-marriage counseling, that's, that's my wife, and it's something that we have brought into uh, the pre-marriage counseling that we do with people. And it's really this, if you can't have a conversation in a civil way that your tone is gonna be raised and you're just uh, not sure that you're gonna keep yourself in check, have that conversation in a public place. In fact, find the busiest place that you can sit down and look eye to eye with something to drink because you're not gonna lose uh, your stuff in, in a restaurant. There's just something about other people around us that kinda helps keep our kinda decorum in place. And that's what we're talking about, that posture of inviting gentle, soft, acknowledging, going like, we need to talk about this. Man, the other day I really felt 
the way you spoke to me just hurt me. And, and, I'm, and we're needing to talk about this. And, you know, I didn't feel very honored the, the way you, you know, whatever. Like that kind of approach is far better than coming in aggressive and, and attacking. I love this idea that we just actually need to move past and give up this idea of being right or wrong and who's right and who's wrong. So much damage comes from just trying to prove that we're right. In fact, who wins in a situation where you've proved yourself right? In fact, no one. No one wins when we spend all our energy proving who's right and who's wrong. In fact, here's something to think about. Do you wanna be right or do you wanna be happy? Do you wanna be right or do you wanna be right with the person that you're in conflict with? Need to think about that. Right, so that's A. B is bulge the conflict. What does bulge mean? And this is quite cool. Uh, did a little bit of research into this. Uh, when they built ships, the lowest part of the ship was kind of called the bulge. And if you think on old ships and uh, you needed to clean them and when you clean the ships, all that gross stuff and water used to fill up in that area of the ship. It was gross. Uh, it was kind of rank, stinky stuff. And they would use a thing called a bulge pump to kind of get all of that stuff out the ship. And what we need to do in our own hearts is bulge the muck in us, right? Acknowledging the conflict is so important. And number two is starting with and dealing with all the yucky gunk in our own hearts, right? This is so important. Here's a really important question. And this is something I think if, if I think about where I've grown the most in my own marriage and kind of dealing uh, with my wife in the tense conversations that we've had to have is asking the question of why am I angry right now? Why am I frustrated? Why am I upset? And first going inward before going outward, before having the conversation with her about how I'm feeling, doing some internal work of going, what has made me this angry? And then so often, now this is just me, by doing a few years of this, I found out that I have so much pride and uh, there's so much selfishness that's kind of deep in my heart that I have to kind of work through because most often my anger at my wife and my family is because I'm actually selfish around an issue. And that's the root of my anger, not them. I mean, I want you to kind of get a metaphor in your mind, kind of just, or not a metaphor, just picture this with me. You're sitting at a restaurant, you know those salt and pepper shakers at every restaurant? If you have to screw the tops off of those and take them and bash them, what's gonna come out? The stuff that's inside them, right? So when you're clashing with someone in a conflict situation, what's coming out is not their stuff, it's your stuff. And so often when we are in conflict, it's because there's gunk in us that's coming out. Stuff that is raining unchecked in our hearts. Uh, pride, selfishness. And, and it's so important that if you wanna do this well, you're always gonna have relationships because you're human. And uh, the older you get, the more significant relationships become. And you're gonna have very significant relationships that you're gonna be having a lot of conflict with. And, and to do that well, we need to really kind of bulge our hearts and pump out all the really ugly stuff. I love Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. 
You can write that down to reflect on later. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's kind of heavy. And we need to acknowledge that in conflict, when my heart's gonna lie to me, I'm gonna think I'm not in the wrong. I'm gonna think that it's all the other person's fault. But there is stuff in me that I need to deal with. And I have to, have to examine my heart. And if you don't think that there's anything wrong with you, you just need to go, Lord, show me and be quiet and reveal. Maybe you wanna ask your spouse, you know, open yourself up to that going, you know, where am I hurting you? Where am I wounding you? And open yourself up to that. Now, Steve and I often talk about uh, helping couples uh, in this, uh, with this kind of posture of sitting on your hands. And sometimes people have to literally sit on their hands. And what we mean by that is by just going into this position where you're not gonna defend yourself. You're actually just going to take what comes. And you're gonna go, look, I know that there has been uh, some conflict. Show me where I'm hurting you. And don't respond when they go, yo, you did this. And you wanna immediately respond and go, ah, that's not how it happened. But go, oh, no, tell me more. Where else have I hurt you with this? Tell me more, tell me more. I'm sorry, tell me more. I'm sorry, tell me more. Because that leads to uh, the C, which is own your contribution. Own your contribution. Because you might only be 10% of the problem. But if you wanna do this well, you need to own 100%, the 10%, that's your fault. And this is this whole thing about tell me more. I acknowledge that I hurt you when I did that. Tell me more. Man, even if you're not in the place yet where you feel that you need to say sorry, but I found that there is so much good that comes from at least saying, I acknowledge that you are hurt. If you don't believe that you're in the wrong, but you can see your spouse is hurt or your mom is hurt or your friend is hurt, but just to say, I can see and acknowledge that my actions hurt you. Tell me more. I'm sorry. Tell me more. I own that what I did there hurt you. Tell me more. And there is so much good that comes from rather that posture of humility and owning what you did wrong. There's so much good that comes from that. And, and if these things are in place, you are going to get to a place where there is genuine reconciliation. So own your contribution Acknowledge I brought pride to this relationship. I brought selfishness. I brought anger. Then D is desire. Ask yourself, what do you want from this relationship? What do you desire for your relationship with your spouse? What do you desire for your relationship with your friends? What do you desire for the relationship with your parents, with your children? And then show that desire. When we understand what repentance looks like, there's a cost Jesus showed us that by how he went and died for us on the cross. That desire was there. It would have been easy for him to walk away from that. He didn't have to do that, but he showed how much he wanted relationship with us by paying for that with our lives. And if you desire reconciliation, if that is your heart, it's so much easier to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent. I repent of what I've done. I desire to be restored to you. I desire for our relationship to be stronger than it's ever been before. And then E is the effort. What efforts 
are you willing to put in place? What boundaries are you willing to put in place in your own life to protect from the same mistake happening over and over and over again? Are you prepared to go for counseling? I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, why we need to make the effort, because this is our DNA as believers. So 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Guys, our very DNA is that of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. That is really the core of what we have received as believers. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus. We carry that in us. He's given us that message. We're his ambassadors. The message of reconciliation is in us. And we need to fight for this. Just wanna touch on this very quickly. Last week it was mentioned as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone. Where it is possible, you make every effort. Forgiveness takes one person, reconciliation takes two. It's not always going to work out this way. And in some cases, uh, we need to actually say it's not advisable to try and get to reconciliation. Uh, some relationships that you're in are dangerous. We talk about spousal abuse, domestic violence, sexual violence. If that's the space that you're in, I actually encourage you to get out of that relationship as far as you can and as fast as you can. And if you need help with that, uh, we're available to help you and assist you in any way that if you're in a dangerous relationship. And in that case, it's not advisable to go back to that person if you're again going to be at risk of physical violence or sexual violence. Then we say rather leave that relationship Work towards forgiveness, but don't enter into that relationship again. In that place, it is not advisable to seek reconciliation. And we need to be aware of that. You do not have to go into a relationship again where you are at risk of violence, right? That's, that's not on. But where it is possible with you, strive for that in, every, in any single or every possible way. And guys, this is where we're at tonight and we're gonna end with that. Make the effort. If it is to uh, seek counsel, if you need to, as a married couple, uh, go for marriage counseling to get reconciliation, I encourage you to do that. Uh, that's not embarrassing. Uh, that is uh, to build good blocks so that your relationship can be restored and, and, and you can uh, pursue a healthy relationship that brings glory to God and, and, and is a blessing to people around you. If you need to call other people in to help you reconcile with uh, a person that has had a breakdown uh, in your friendship circle, do it. 
If you need to sort yourself out, again, I encourage you, we've got a wonderful program here at Riverside called The Journey. And that's just been completed, so there'll be a new one next year. And it's, it's that, that bulging of our own hearts. But you, you need to do what you need to do to get to this place of reconciliation. It's to God's glory and to your own to have that level of repair in your relationships. We've got a prayer ministry team that is here every Sunday night. And we encourage you, if you wanna spend some time with them and the Lord this evening, come and do that. You just come to the front and they just come alongside you and, and, and they spend time praying with you. But don't leave relationships with butchers burnt. Be like God who's leaned into you your whole life and, and, and His posture is always to lean in. Let's reverse that as well. Instead of running and hiding, let us lean in. I'm gonna pray for us and I encourage you to spend some time thinking through whatever relationship is broken down in your life right now. That you can move to the place of reconciliation, of restitution. And if you need prayer, I encourage you, join the prayer team with that. God, I am so thankful that you are a God who forgives and you're a God who restores. God, I was hopelessly lost without you. I was cut off from you. I was your enemy because of what I did and what I deserved. But Jesus, you pursued me and you pursued me with your own life to move me from being enemy to adopted son, to be a co-heir with Christ. That's how much there has been reconciliation between you and me. God, and I just praise you and honor you for that. God, help us to really understand that DNA. I think that's why you said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. Because the world just burns bridges. The world just moves on. But there's just something about it when we can say, he was my enemy, he's now my brother. And we can share testimonies of forgiveness and restoration. God, give us courage to do that. Give us wisdom and grace. I just want to pray for everyone in this room, Lord God, that's dealing with broken relationships, that's dealing with conflicts, that you would help them to do that well. Give them grace and uh, to forgive, to move to a place of restoration. Jesus, we thank you for that in your holy name. Amen.